This is the Midlife Mail Podcast with Greg Scheiman, brought to you by Inns Group Insurance. Inns Group is ensuring success. From the Gal Media Studios, here's Greg Scheinman. All right, here we go. Midlife Mail Podcast time. If you like what you hear, give us that five-star review. Subscribe to the show. Really appreciate it. Help us keep this Midlife Mail movement growing. I am super excited Today, joining me, Mr. Daniel Nicholson. He is the CEO of Natamu Ice Cream. Guys, I fucking love Natamu Ice Cream. I have been eating this for years. My kids are eating it. My wife is eating it. This is really amazing, life-changing, game-changing stuff. As the name implies, Natamu, no cow, coconut milk-based ice cream, and it is delicious. I'm pretty much a dairy-free guy, so this has been uh, an amazing, amazing product for me to have access to and enjoy. I don't want to say nightly, but, uh, but certainly quite often. Let's tell you a little bit about Daniel's story, and we're going to get him on the phone. First learned about Natamu in 2008 and knew he wanted to get involved with the startup. He introduced Natamu to his family, who was also so impressed with the product and the branding that they invested in the company. He convinced the company's founder to let him become its controller. Three years later, the founder decided to step away from the business, and there was Daniel to step in and assume the role of the company's president and CEO. I think I may have this timeline a little wrong. I think that's right before I first met Daniel when I did meet them in their earliest of offices. They were sharing space with the Chameleon Cold Brew Company, another amazing product out of Austin. If you're into cold brew coffee, check them out as well. We had a chance to talk back then. I was introduced to the product, knew it was going to be a big hit, really loved it, and uh, we got to know each other. Over the years, I have been following their progress It has grown steadily since, and under Daniel's leadership, the products are available in over 4,500 stores, including Whole Foods, Sprouts, Albertsons, Safeway, Stop and Shop. Let's talk growth. 95% year-over-year growth in 2017. Retail sales of approximately $12 million. Natamu is part of a growing trend of dairy-free alternatives. And it includes an explosion of milk made with nuts, seeds, or grains, in this case, coconut. The global dairy alternatives market is projected to reach $14 billion by 2020. These guys are nailing it right now. So, Daniel, thanks for joining me today. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, of course. Thanks for, thanks for having me on. Uh, really excited to, to get to chat with you about the company. Yes, yeah, so so this is kind of cool too. We first met it was years ago, and you guys were sharing office space with Chameleon Cold Brew. Uh, we had a mutual friend, Diego, in common in the Austin area, and you guys were get just getting your your start. Um, tell me a little bit about that time. You know how you got into the ice cream game uh, and started Nanamo. Yeah, so I, I I think the the year that you're talking about was was actually 2011, uh, which is when I first started to 
to, to officially run the company. Uh, the company has been around since 2005, um, but but that that office that you met us in was actually our very first office. Before before that time, we were we were working remotely out out of our homes, and uh, we just saw uh, we we were finally getting to the point where it just made sense to begin to have a home base to where we could have our employees or at, at that time, I believe we were three employees and that number includes myself. Um, but we, we just, we felt like we needed space to, to begin to legitimize the work that we had already done over a six year period. Um, I, I, I got involved with the company in 2008. So, so actually three years after it was founded, um, because I met the I, I met the founder and the and the recipe creator through uh, through a close friend of our family, and uh, we just we we really hit it off. I I had just moved back from uh, working in the sustainable sustainable energy landscape in Madrid, Spain. So I had just moved back to Austin from abroad, and was was looking for the next for the next adventure and. Um, just sort of out of out of happenstance or or call it serendipity i i came across uh came across the founder and and the product um by way of introduction of a close family friend and so i set up a meeting and and they felt they felt like uh like myself and the founder would really hit it off we're both very very entrepreneurial very entrepreneurially spirited and so from from that first meeting um we we started talking about how to work together on on building the brand yep and it was a a super interesting time i think also cuz the food and beverage space even in austin in particular um was really kind of just getting going you know i think the health and wellness and fitness and area had been growing and growing and now food and diet and nutrition um, were also all coming up and, and taking a big, a big presence in that market and looking for healthier alternatives even to um, you know, products that, you know, that are typically on the lesser healthy side or the dessert side, you know, the ice cream yeah. side specifically. Um, and you guys went into this non-dairy coconut di- direction. Um, where did that impetus and that idea come from also? And talk a little bit about kind of from the idea to execution phase also that you go into this business and what what are the, some of the challenges of getting this into even the first customer's hands? So, yeah, at, at, at that point in uh, when, when the company was founded in 2005, the um, – the dairy-free frozen dessert space was very underdeveloped. There, there were already products on the market, but as as our founder identified, uh, as she was making a recipe for her sister who could no longer consume dairy, and uh, had been told by a doctor that that moving to a mostly plant-based lifestyle would be her best path forward. Um, they they started doing some market research and they went into Whole Foods. We're we're extremely lucky 
um, as a city here in Austin to to be home to the he- to the headquarter of Whole Foods. And so as they were doing their market research, they they were seeing what was on the shelf at Whole Foods, and they they bought every product that was there. There were some soy based products, um, some rice milk based products, some almond milk based products, but nothing nothing really satisfied. Uh, satisfied the founder or her sister to the point where her sister felt with any level of confidence that she would be able to survive, uh, survive a life without, uh, without good tasting ice cream anymore. And so, so, so our founder with, with her background as a, as a natural pastry chef um, and, and as a natural chef in general, she she went straight to coconut milk. She understood that the she, she was kind of dumbfounded at the fact that nobody in the frozen dessert space had used coconut milk as a base yet because the saturated fat content of the coconut uh, she felt would do the best job of mimicking that creamy uh, creamy texture and and mouthfeel profile. Uh, that people are accustomed to when they consume ice cream, and so um, we we definitely were we were very early to the game. Um, at, at at that point, a brand like Nadamu was really only catering itself. Uh, we were really only catering to the to the plant based to the vegan to the vegan community, um, and I, I mean I think that's part of the part of the most amazing. Uh, the most amazing part of being involved with this brand has been to see uh, to see this product grow from what used to be part of such a niche space, and now it's becoming more and more a uh, product for the masses. And and consumer con- the consumer um, perception has totally changed around dairy free. A lot of people are finding out that they are. Uh, that they're lactose intolerant or lactose sensitive or, you know, for, for whatever reason, maybe you're trying to consume more plant-based. Maybe you're, uh, you have specific reactions when you consume, uh, consume a, a certain amount of dairy. And, and as people search for uh, dairy-free products, they've, they, they have found us and, and we have really been able to, uh, to ride the wave of the growing consumer market trend. Yeah, it's really it's really been awesome to to watch that. I will say, from personal experience um, and consumption also, that I view the product now not again not in a specialty space at all, but simply on this is a damn good product. It tastes really good. All the flavors are really good. I don't see this in any way as a sacrifice or I don't differentiate between, let's say, regular ice cream and or not a meal. It's simply you go into the store at this point, and I love ice cream as much as anybody else. It's a better alternative, but it's not a sacrifice in terms of taste or flavor or texture or anything else. And I think that's what really, really hits home um, and has helped to make it such a success. And that's, that's just on the, to me, that's just flat out on, on the product side that transcends the specialty space, I think, or even just the, the business side of it. 
Yeah, and that's I mean, that's definitely what we have always felt strongly about as a as a brand and, and as a company. Um we we do we are involved in the frozen dessert category where where indulgence uh should and, and hopefully always will reign supreme. Pe- people people should not have to sacrifice things like taste. Um, in, in order to achieve their uh, their their health and wellness goals, and we feel like our product, because it is so good, and because it's such a great uh, such a great alternative to dairy ice cream, without having to give anything up, we believe that that's why we, as a brand, uh, have have had this opportunity to be so successful and really have our product transcend. Uh, transcend the category that we uh, are kind of put into where, you know, we're kind of dropped into this bucket of, Oh, that's a, that's a dairy free or, you know, a plant-based frozen dessert product. Um, and, and, and we feel, we feel like it's more than that. We feel like we are out there competing with the best, the best ice cream makers, dairy or not on the entire market. Yeah. And, 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 doing a great job with it. When you got involved in the company, I want to take this in a little more the, the business out. When you got involved in the company, tell me a little bit about what your initial role was and then also how your role has grown to be ultimately leading the company now and I guess supporting the, the vision and the idea and the recipes of the founder but executing on that as we talked about. Yeah, I, I so... To, to kick that off, I when I got involved in 2008, it, it, it was as a quote-unquote controller. I, I had no accounting background. Um, I I'm a mechanical engineer by trade, um, but but I just I had this passion for the product. I had passion for the work that we were doing. I I, I felt like if we could wean people off of the less healthy products that they were consuming for dessert. Um, we could do an immense amount of good uh, within the marketplace. And, and so really being driven by, uh, by health and wellness, by sustainability, and just by uh, a, a passion and love for a great product and a great brand, I, I was able to really jump in and apply myself um, in, in a very deep manner right off the bat. I, I started off doing the day-to-day accounting, and I was in control of all of the books, and I used my used my engineering degree to just to, to to problem solve on the day to day and to create a lot of the the initial foundational systems and processes um, that that began to allow the company to scale uh, just a little more seamlessly. We were able to we were able to hire new people and bring new people into the business. And we had already created some organi- some organizational tools and put those in place to allow people to jump on board and really really uh, really engage in their work on the day to day. And so I started there, um, worked side by side with the founder and CEO from 2008 to 2011 in that same capacity. Um, but of course, I, I mean, I kept taking on more and more as as I felt comfortable. Uh, really started supporting our production manager, and I found myself at all of the production runs and 
creating spreadsheets to to calculate the efficiencies of our production runs and um and and as as time as time went on i just i i was really deeper and deeper into the the intricacies of the operation and and in 2011 uh we we were growing we were growing between 2008 and 2011 but nowhere near at the rate or pace that uh that the founder and CEO had had uh had sold our investors on in 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 the uh in the sales forecast and and in the financial plan so as the investors began to to apply some pressure and and ask some you know some difficult questions but rightly so to the CEO and founder um she decided at at that point in 2011 that she no longer wanted to be in, involved with the company she she felt mm-hmm. like her her skill set uh had had already been outstripped um by you know by the size and and the scale of the company and and really didn't have any great uh great responses to the investors questions and and so at that very difficult moment in the history of the company um i found myself in a precarious situation my my family at that point uh between the years of 2008 and 2011 were the sole the sole financiers of the operation um and the and we were about to lose our founder and CEO who wanted to go off and pursue some, some other ventures and pursue other things in her life. And at that moment I was left with a decision. I, I, I needed to decide whether or not this was something that I felt well equipped enough to continue marching forward with, or was this, was this the time that, you know, myself and, and uh my my mom and my uncle who were the the two main investors in the company was it was this the moment where we were going to decide to wind the entire business and operation down mm. um and through you know just through some some really serious soul searching um i i i knew that if i was going to take the reins of of something that that wasn't my baby to begin with uh but but that i had already devoted so much time and effort into I, I knew that I was going to have to connect with it on a on a much deeper level because being an entrepreneur uh is is so is so challenging and so so all consuming and if there's not some larger goal that you are you know working after each and every day or there or your work isn't rooted in something deeper than financial reward or financial gain or, or something maybe even deeper than, than yourself. Um, when, when you run into those walls and you run into those obstacles, um, it, it, it can be, it can be, uh, you know, it can be extremely challenging. And, and that's where I feel like a lot of people fold. Um, so, so when I made the decision to continue marching on with the company, um I, I I just I just knew that I had to I, I I had already been all in for three years or as as all in as I could be, but this was gonna have to this was gonna take even more from me. And uh and 
at that same moment as, as I was deciding what to do or, or whether or not this is what I wanted to do with the, with the, with the better years of my life, um, I, I, I also had a thought where I, on a very simple and basic level, I understood that the, the, the founder, um, created this great recipe and the recipe as a standalone, you know, we have a white mix and we have a dark mix for our chocolate bases. And and just knowing that that recipe, that base mix formulation itself was the most important part of of the, you know, the the entire um the entire business at that point, you know, cuz products uh when you're that small, you have to stand very firmly on a on a great product. Mm-hmm. We knew we had that and uh that that's when i kind of that's when i had the thought that i could go on and and hire a a local pastry chef or someone you know someone with a background in in flavor formulation to continue building upon that blank canvas base mix that the founder had created um and 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 having that thought again super basic super simple but super important um, that's, that's what gave me the confidence to, to, to move forward because I'm not an ice cream maker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I don't really have, I, I, I did not bring that skill set to the table. Um, and so I knew that once I could take care of that or at least solve around that issue, I, I, I then felt very confident, uh, with my abilities to continue to, to run the operation and to build upon the operation by, by going out and hiring uh, people who could take on jobs that I knew that I eventually wouldn't be able to do by myself, like I like I had for so long. Yeah, it's it's pretty remarkable. How was your family during this process? Uh, in terms, I mean, I guess that's a that's a kind of hard look in the mirror, hard tough conversations also because your family was financially behind the start of the company you had a role within the company but now taking that again or the decision to take it to another level um was there support was there belief there too or were there some really hard conversations that you know between you know what you thought you were capable of what they thought you were capable of i mean i guess all that stuff's got to come up right yeah i i i mean I mean, our family has always been has always been really, really good at at, at tackling uh, bi- big issues together. We're good at communicating. Um, at that point, you know, maybe it was that point in 2011. I mean, they they were they had gotten deeper and deeper into the into the operation, which was more and more needy of their of their finances. Um, but I have to say, I mean, there was something remarkable about how how I feel like they they also just sort of had this this belief in uh, in in the success of the company. I, I I don't think they had all the answers at that moment. I I don't know if they if they really firmly believed that I was the right person. Uh, to continue scaling the operation up. At that point, I was 27 years old. Um, I was still 
I was still going through a process of 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 growing up myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, yeah, I, I mean, I think what they what they showed me in that moment was that they, yeah, they they did have some they had some inherent belief in whether it was in the product and the brand itself um or 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 within me or within a combination of the two i i i still really haven't asked them that or and and i'm not sure if they would ever if they would ever be so kind to uh to to tell me the truth to that question <laughs> um but it you know i i mean kudos to them for having uh for having the the courage to to really roll the dice at that moment yeah no no doubt so you take the reins of the company um and it's in a, a I don't know if precarious is the right word but it's in a place where obviously it had taxed some resources it had needed more money it had exhausted maybe the limits as you said of the of the initial founder and and CEO, and now you're at the reins of this this ice cream company, you know, um, in there. What did you do? I, if you even remember, like what that next day was like. But what were the first steps that you took to say, okay, we we're going to set this ship on on a different path or on a better course, you know, for us to to try to succeed because we've got something here. I can platform off of off of this base, you know, you got the, the white base and the dark base that you've got. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so funny enough, one of the first things I did, and, and again, this was uh, just kind of, this, this is my, this was just my life. And, and, and I, I began to feel that there were just things coming to me um, at the, at the right moment. So, so almost, Almost to the day of me officially taking the reins of the company, I received a phone call um, from the VP of Finance, and she was the she was the CFO of of, of, of Benitos, which is a bean chip brand, also based mm-hmm. here in Austin. And um, the the lady's name is Debbie, and and we had done some work together on uh, on forecasting and budgeting for Nadamu. Um, and so she, she out of the blue reaches out to me and says, Daniel, I have an opportunity for you. And I was like, okay, uh, what, you know, what's going on? How, how could I help you? And, uh, she said, well, I just, I just took a position here with, with Benitos and, uh, the, the founders of the company, they, they, they know what they're doing. They've, they've already successfully, started a snack brand before and, and sold it. The the name of the brand was guiltless gourmet. Mm-hmm. And she's like, they, they, they know what they're doing. And, and I could use your help. She's like, I'm, I'm so, I've, I've been so impressed through our work together of how, you know, of how you have picked up so much, um, so much on the accounting side within the CPG industry. And, and I could really use your help over here. Um, would, you know, would you, would you take a position with us? She's like, this will be, this will be part time to start. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, well, I, I, I'm like, Debbie, I, I should probably tell you that I, I'm now running Nautimu. And she's like, what? She's like, what, what happened? And I, I told her, well, 
uh, yeah, I, I, I told her our founder has has decided to uh, to go off and pursue some other ventures and some other some other opportunities in her life, and and I'm now running the company. And she's like, wow. She's like, well, she's like this. She's like, I'm, I'm sure you. She's like, I know you have a lot on your plate, but this could probably be very, very beneficial to you. She's like, these uh, again, these guys know what they're doing, and I think it'll be extremely helpful and extremely valuable to you if you come and take this job and begin to gain a better understanding of what a of what a larger operation looks like. And so me, you know, me at, at that moment, I, you know, I'm kind of a yes man and uh, I've become a yes man in my life. And so I take, I take the position. It, it makes, makes good logical sense. I don't know quite how I'm going to do it just yet, but I, I decide to take a quote unquote part-time position with, uh, with another startup in the CPG industry. And, uh, that part-time job, as you could imagine, quickly becomes full-time. And I, <laughs> so now you got two full-time yeah, jobs. You're yeah, running now, an ice cream company, and now you're exactly. full-time at at a chip company too. Exactly, and, and and I work out of the the chip company's office, and I take in my laptop, and I'm basically sitting there with two email inboxes open, and and I'm working through QuickBooks on on the books over at Benito's, and I'm. And I'm answering emails for my for my team over at Nadimu, and and I literally lived that life for two years. So from 2011 to 2013, for a full two years, I I was running Nadimu and was basically the controller of of the Benito's operation. And uh, how did I stay sane during that time? <laughs> I, I, I decided to take up uh decided to take up training for marathons and and running marathons and so in a in an 18 month period I ran I trained and ran three marathons and uh you know ran an ice cream company and worked full time for a chip company and on a positive note you had a lot of ice cream and chips to fuel you through those marathons no. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I, I mean, I, I can, I can humbly say that I did not have enough money to feed myself very well, but I had access to a lot of ice cream and chips for sure. So, they asked you, or, or Debbie connected you with this opportunity—the part time that became full time, that became your 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 dual life at that point in time—about how it would be also beneficial to you. Um, was it? Did one help the other? You know, I mean, because this could be, this could have been a, a a pretty critical mistake too. I mean, most people don't have the ability to juggle, you know, more than one thing. You want to focus and try certainly on on two startup endeavors, one that you're running and even one that you're you're trying to fulfill your obligation to. How yeah. did this work for you? Did you get out of it? Maybe what what they either promised, you know, or or how did yeah. you also separate from that? I guess I'm trying to trying to understand a little bit about you know how this worked for you or how you made this work. Yeah, I I, I mean with my with, with the way that my brain works, I, I I mean I really extracted 
so much value out of that time with with Benitos. They 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 were they were good operators. They understood where they needed to invest within their team. Um, they gave me great access to uh, to to a network of of brokers, or or you know, not necessarily gave me access to them, but but I was able to to create and develop relationships with some of the brokers that were brokering their products. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just really seeing from a nuts and bolts standpoint of, of how, of how Benito's was growing so quickly, um, and, and really structuring their operation in, in order to make sure that they could support the growth that they were going after. Um, it, it, it was absolutely critical to my learning process, uh, within the CPG industry and, and what, what I could take from, what I could take from my experience there that was applicable to what we were doing over at Nadamu, I, I, I did, I, I did that as often as I could. There, you know, so, some things we, we were in different categories. Um, so, so not everything translated perfectly, but I, by working with the CFO and by, you know, working with a marketing team and sales team there and a broker network and, and having access to, to the founders, um, I, I mean, I really had my, I, I had my on the job, my on the job MBA um, in the CPG industry. Yeah, totally can appreciate and understand that. On the Nadamu side, while you're there, you know, it's one thing to have two screens open. Uh, the inboxes. How were you able to, and I don't know how, how large the team was at this point, and you can tell me that too. How were you able to lead at the Nadamu company? You, know, you were in a leadership position. How were you mm-hmm. able to lead a team? Was there an issue with maybe you not being or seeming all in, so to speak, because you had this other job um, and lead? And I asked that because you know, I've juggled with that and wrestled with that myself. Um, you know, opening up another business while I'm involved with another, with, with a career, you know, awesome. Yes. Um, and how yes. much time you can spend there and be present or even just the impression of it not being maybe your full-time thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I mean, that, that was definitely the, the biggest challenge. And it's something that I, that I understood from the beginning. I, I, I knew that this wasn't a permanent setup. Um, so I, I mean, thankfully, uh, our, our our team at that time was still so small. I we were probably three employees, and my uh, my two employees because that again that number three includes myself. Um, my two employees were extremely experienced people, uh, bo- both both older gen- both o- older gentlemen gen- gentlemen who were over their sixties. And so I, I could. It, it wasn't very difficult to to manage them or to keep them on task. They knew what they needed to do, and if they ran into ran into issues, then we could knock out most of our issues in a phone call, um, or you know, or or via email. So. I mean, it wasn't by design. My my entire plan wasn't. Well, let's keep the. Let's keep the company small enough so that I can manage it for these two years while I, you know, while I'm involved in this full-time job. But that's just that's where we were at, and that's what allowed me uh, to be able to continue growing sales, 
and continue producing the product at the rate at which we were growing sales. And because of all the back-end systems and processes that I had put into place even before I had taken the job at Benito's, um, you know, we were able to achieve all that work. And and I have to also be very honest and say I, I really wasn't sleeping very much. I, I, I was running. Uh, I, I was running very long distances. I was running the company, was full-time with another was still somehow making time for my for my friends and other social activities outside of the office um, and just probably average i mean for those two years i mean no more than six hours of sleep a night for sure mm-hmm. um, and but but again i i just i feel like I knew that this was just a a, a phase or a moment within the history of the company that I was just going to have to get through, uh, through, through pure grit. I mean, it, it, it was, it was pure grit and, and hard work and focus, uh, that really allowed me to sustain that level of, uh, of, of a lifestyle for, for two full years. Yes. I, I love that. I love that word. Uh, the word grit what, did you set a benchmark or a metric or I don't know, maybe you even had a contract with videos that, that, that there was a time that you say, okay, I'm at, I'm done with this now. Now I am going full time, not a move. Our sales have gotten to a certain level or we've reached this number um, or my time is done here. Uh, and you've made that transition to full time at not a And the company is just taken off since then. I, I to be honest I had not set such a clear metric uh wh- what I did do is so at at the time as while I was working with Benitos they actually went through their first outside fundraising round and so some some private equity capital came in and a bunch of new faces came into the office and we had a we had a new CEO to you know to report to and to and to work for and i just remained honest and transparent through the entire process they they, they all knew that i was running Nodimu and i was very clear that that was my top priority but that i was very you know very, very grateful for the opportunity to work within the operation and and add value wherever wherever I saw fit, but at at some point I, I I would probably need to go focus my full attention on it. Um, but but I think by not setting that metric that you're talking about, I, I I did for a moment there sort of end up in, you know, well when is this clear break going to happen? Um, and thankfully, within that two year stretch. Uh, I, I didn't take any vacation for sure, um, but but I I had a I had a wedding to attend for a really good friend um, who was marrying who was marrying a girl who was born and raised in Poland, and I got invited to this wedding in Poland, and I I was a groomsman and I. I absolutely wanted to be there, knew I had to be there and prioritized it. And it was really 
during that two-week vacation that, that I took to, to Europe to be a part of my good friend's wedding where I was able to, to remove myself from the day-to-day grind and be, begin to begin to understand and begin to prioritize that the time was right to just go, go all in and focus my full time and attention on growing our Nautimu brands. Understood. Um, not, you mentioned private equity and, and taking in some capital as it refers to the Benitos brand and that timing. You guys did that at Nadamu relatively recently as well. Is that correct? Correct. Yes, we we did we did last year the very first very first outside round of capital. My my family financed single handedly financed the uh, the growth of the company from 2008 to late 2017 or kind of middle of 2017, almost a decade. And when you made the decision, or I guess were approached uh, with private equity, how did you guys determine this is the right partner for you? This was the right amount of capital. We're gonna go. We're gonna do this. Uh, it's a big step. At the point. It was a it, it was a huge step, um, and and we we weren't extremely. Uh, we weren't extremely, mo- we, we, we wanted to go out. We felt like the time was right to go find a partner who could add additional strategic and operational value, but we weren't, we weren't super motivated to go out there and just find anybody, right? Like we, we, myself and our, and our now CFO, uh, who, who, who happens to be a, a, a really great friend of mine that we met in undergrad here at the University of Texas. We both went out there with the same mentality and, and, and the family uh, definitely wanted to instill in us that, you know, we, we will continue to figure out ways to, you know, to make sure that we can take care of, uh, you know, of, of the company and, and, and of ourselves throughout this process. So, you know, Let's make sure that let that we go out and find the right partners. And so we talked to so so many different capital groups at that time. I, I mean, we we had put together some really impressive growth numbers. Um, we have a great data story within our frozen dessert category, and so we felt like we felt like we were bringing a lot to the table too, and we didn't want to sell ourselves short. So we were. I mean, we negotiated hard. We we weren't. We weren't looking to work with just anybody. Um, if, if there were, uh, if there was any red flag that we felt popped up with any potential partner, we just we just didn't go for it. And and I think it's so incredibly important um, to really understand what it is that is important to you and what you value in partners and in relationships in general. And when you go out and seek out capital. Uh, you're you're really. I mean, we were looking for more than money. We were looking for people that we want to continue to battle in the trenches with, uh, because as 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 you grow, you know the the you become a target. Uh, you become a target by much larger companies, 
and it's it's important to have a lot of experience within your advisory board and and that's that's the value that we were trying to bring into the operation through this outside fundraising round and i i mean so far year to date i mean we we feel so good about the partners that we selected uh to continue building the brand with that's awesome and i love the attitude about that and it's kind of what I think what we're all looking for in terms of partners, in terms of clients, in terms of resources, you know, to be able to find the right fit, you know, find the right people because you got to go to battle every day. I mean, we, we hope it's not really a battle, but for the most part, you know, there are the trials, tribulations, struggles, as you mentioned, the sleepless nights, all of this, uh, and having the right people around you makes it all all vital you know it makes it all worthwhile and, and it's really what you need yeah and and to to be quite honest it's probably in in my opinion the fundraising part uh I, not that it's I, I i don't feel like uh be, because of because of everything we have working behind us i i don't feel like raising capital um, for us was particularly difficult. There, there's a lot of money out there and specific to our business and to our industry, there's a lot of excitement around it. Um, but what is extremely challenging is to go out there and and find a great partner. I, I, you know, I mean, we we have to be we have to be really honest with ourselves that as as humans, we all, as humans and as humans in business, more importantly, we, we all have an agenda. We all, we all have certain things that we're out to achieve, that we're out trying to achieve. And if we are not firmly aligned with the people that we are working with on the day-to-day, it's going to make that challenging work even more challenging. Mm-hmm. And so to really, to really focus on finding great alignment with employees, um, leadership within the organization, and investors within the capitalization table. I mean, we stand so firmly on this concept of alignment that we feel is necessary um, to really be able to go out there and, and overcome some of the big obstacles that are going to come that are going to come anyway. Uh, you have to be ready for what's going to come and, and, if there is a lack of alignment uh, within the within the organization at any level, um, it's going to make it that much more challenging. Yeah, I mean, I always feel like it makes you know it makes the product taste better. You know, the lack of sounding kind of hokey. It's like I always feel this way. Like if the culture of a restaurant group or the culture around a brand or a product, like if you really get behind it and you really believe it and in the people and the alignment of it all is just like, it makes it all taste better. You know, you want to support it. You want to be around it. You want to promote it, you know, more. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's a lot of money out there. There's a lot of ice cream, you know, out there. There's a lot of restaurants out there, yeah. you know. There's a lot, a lot of stuff, but to really kind of, I think, cut through the clutter and really break out, it's a lot deeper. You know, it really becomes about the culture and in a way about the people behind it or what the brand and the products actually really stand for. Um, yeah. Yeah. People, I, I, people want yeah, to know I, that. 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like you know to to think of uh, to think of that scaling process, especially in the food business, to to scale the the way that we have um, at at the rate that we have to be able to continue to to execute on that on the same product quality and taste profile um it's 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 not easy but but if you're but if you take if you take pride in your work and and you have that alignment from top to bottom and everywhere in between with within your organization people people are going to go that extra mile to ensure that that same product that we've all bought into continues to wow the customer uh, the 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 way that it wowed us that that made us want to be a part of it. Yep. So circling this back, the first time we met, you were in your very first office at Natamo. Mm-hmm. The last time we met, a couple of weeks ago, we're sitting in a Natamo ice cream shop, a retail location in the heart yep. of Austin. <laughs> yep. And 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 within the majority of your business is is, is in grocery stores and and re- wholesale retail, but now you've got your own shop also, and you can sit there watching people come in and out. Yeah. What was the idea behind opening your own shop? And then, how does that feel to sit there and watch people come in and out, just loving what you do? The the watching the people come in and out of the shop and having this having direct access to them, not, you know, not through social media handles or not through, uh, you know, not, uh, not being creepy and following them into the grocery stores and seeing if they're going to grab your product off of the shelf. Um, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's really, it's really nice to begin to have a deeper, deeper awareness and understanding of, of what, the Nadimu consumer looks like and and what we what we've really enjoyed about it all is it's it's it looks like everybody you know i mean there there's no you know there's no certain demographic that we can pigeonhole uh pigeonhole our consumer down into and it's it's definitely refreshing and reassuring that the the work we're doing is connecting with with a lot of people a, across a very broad range. Um, and that's, that's, that's one of the main reasons why we did it. Definitely. We wanted to have a place where the customer could come in and not only taste the flavors that they could find in stores and, you know, but maybe put it in a cone or make a Sunday out of it or make a shake out of it, which they can't do at the grocery store, but also, also focus on introducing new flavor profiles that can be found anywhere else in the world right now from Nadamu and, mm-hmm. and, and really begin to uh, begin to gain access di- directly to that consumer feedback through some of the through some of our R&D process um, that, that just that helps us gain insights and will help to continue to make us better at what we do when we develop a new product for the consumer. Um, there, there, there's additional value that we saw in it as well. Um, as far as I can remember, dating back to the beginning for myself in 2008, 
whenever I would be talking to people in my in, in my life and telling them about Nadamu and the work that we were doing, one of the first questions, uh, of course, at this time, very few people knew who or what Nadamu was, um, but when they understood that it was an ice cream product or a frozen dessert product, the first question I would almost always get was, Oh, well, where is your shop? <laughs> and, and not ever being able to answer that in a way that I would have liked to, um, has kind of stayed with me through the years. And so I, I, I always kind of had in the back of my mind, uh, this, this want to bring a brick and mortar shop to life. Uh, we feel like there's, a ton of marketing value there. Uh, we occupy, as you said, right in the heart of Austin on South Lamar Boulevard, where 40 to 50,000 cars uh, pass by at every single day in this city. And, and I'm sure that number is growing by the minute. Um, it's just, it's a place to drop our, to plant our flag more deeply here, here in the Austin soil and, and show the local community how, how how proud we are of uh of 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 being of being a part of Austin and of having such deep roots and and such a great foundation that you know this city created the foundation that has allowed a dairy-free plant-based frozen dessert product to uh to take root and be able to grow outside of the the confines of it yeah, you mentioned the city, you know, Austin, and we go back to when you guys were getting your, your start. And we touched on this a little bit, sitting at that table, ice cream at 10-something in the morning, I think it was, also. It's never never <laughs> too early for some Nottamu. Um, a small, homegrown, you know, Austin brand, um, to the perception and, and, and the reality that, you're a big brand now. You're not a startup you know, anymore. It's not three people in an office. It's not trying to just get your pints into certain stores or places. Um, are you aware of that transition, I guess, and, and how, and the perception, I guess, maybe of how people see you and even within the city of, you know, maybe you're not, you've got a long way to go, as you said. You want to continue to grow the business um, and grow it, but maybe from a local standpoint, like you guys have gotten big, you know, you're still true to your yeah. rules, but maybe to you, you know, we're, we're still in our infancy, you know, so, so to speak. Yeah. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and, and I totally, I, I totally agree with, with those sentiments. And, and I really, I feel like there is, there is this constant problem with perception in the world, right? Like per, perception to people becomes their reality. And, and I think it's, you know, we, we, we can't change that. Um, however, we can do our best job as a brand to let people know that, no, we're not three people anymore, but we're 15 and, uh, you know, and, and 13 of us are right here in Austin. Um, and we are, we are a part of the community and we are, we are hell-bent on building this brand to as large a brand as possible, and, and we, we want the city to, to be proud of that, and we want the city to, to take part in that growth, growth process. And I think there are, 
there are some great brands that have been built here in Austin that have done a great job of doing that. And I think that's, you know, that's just, that's just another challenge that we're going to have to take on to, 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 to humanize ourselves a little more, even though I feel like, you know, we are, we are definitely, um, we are definitely still a very startup oriented culture. Uh, we are young and passionate people working right here in the community to build a brand and a product line that we love. And, and uh, we hope that the local Austin market and the consumer at large uh, can gain greater awareness around uh, the the differences between where we're at and where the true large brands and companies are at uh, within the world. Because at the end of the day, we are uh, we're, we're we're fighting against that, and and we want to put uh, we want to put Austin on the map even more so than it already is. And, and we take a lot of pride in, in our state and in our city. And, and we, we hope that we can continue to be a brand that the consumer uh, can, can understand is still, is still in its infancy as, as you stated. Well, you mentioned it too. I mean, at the very beginning, you know, it's whole foods that's based in Austin. And I just think it's a cool, it's a cool thing particularly with food and beverage and what has happened in, in Austin. It's happening in a lot of places too. Um, but we're familiar with the number of brands that we've watched start out, you know, uh, as ideas and watch these amazing entrepreneurs and products and brands grow and scale. Um, and everybody's pushing and, and wanting them to, wanting them to succeed and they kind of explode in a way. And, and you also have to, make sure you turn your attention back to staying true to your roots and true to your culture again and the community and all of those things. So you can continue to build it, you know, build it the right way. I mean, we've seen it in chips. We've seen it in, in, in beer, you know, in there too. Yeah. We've seen it, you know, in a whole, in, in coffee, you know, all these different brands. Um, and it's great to see, but like anything else, you've got this group, you don't want to, go in anybody's head and then the public perception and persona, but this part of the, I guess part of the keeping Austin a little weird, you know, still as all this development and growth and amazing things keep coming out of the city. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a part of the, you know, that's, that's one of the challenges that we just have to be very mindful of. There's, there are a lot of things that we have to balance as a, as a company. And I think, you know, the very, uh, the the age old concept of of never growing too big for your britches. I think we have to continue to be to be humble about what we've uh, about the the success to date that we have experienced. Um, we, we we feel like we have a lot of runway and we want to continue to build it with all the authenticity in the world, so that everybody who has seen us grow. Uh, can continue to feel good about about the product that they're supporting, and that's you know that's that's one of the one of our biggest focuses, and 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 another one of the reasons why we felt dropping the flagship store here in Austin was so important because this city is growing. There are a lot of people here in Austin that weren't here yesterday. I mean, that weren't here a month ago, weren't here a year ago. And so for us to begin to think that 
we are a brand here in Austin that everybody here in Austin knows about. I mean, that could not be further from the truth. And and as long as there is work to do uh, to build that brand awareness and, and let people know who we are, um, that's, you know, that that is the job. That is the job of our team to continue to, 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 to walk that tightrope and, and build a national and an international brand that, that always remembers its very humble beginnings. And there it is. Daniel Nicholson, not a moo, ice cream. Thrilled to have you on the show today. This has been really cool watching you build this company up, watching the, the products expand um, and grow new flavors, more shelf space, more stores, um, everything. It's really been a, it's been cool to see. It's a family story. It's a business story. It's a health and wellness story. Guys, I can't emphasize this enough. Go out and give it a try. Um, my family loves it. I enjoy the product tremendously. And, uh, and it's really cool when you know the people behind it um, and you've got to watch the company and the people and the brand and everything evolve. So I really appreciate your time. This is a fun one, uh, especially. And, uh, and I, I'm looking forward to a lot more great things from you and the company. Well, well, thanks so much, Greg. It, 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 it's not it's it's not all the time that we that we get to share our story like this. So I, I definitely uh, I'm, am grateful and appreciate you sharing this time and and sharing the story with your uh, with your listeners. So lastly, where can we find Nadamu? So you can find Nadamu at at Whole Foods nationwide. Uh, we're also distributed with sprouts uh throughout their their stores um throughout the country where we work with natural grocers um so very much you can find us in in a lot of the natural and specialty stores around the country Uh, if you're based in texas you can find us at at heb in safeway albertson stores um and and we're soon to be launching our brand into in, into Canada as well. We're we're going to be launching about a thousand stores before the end of the year, um in Canada. So it's exciting to take the brand international. Um, but we still have we have a lot of distribution opportunities in the U.S. in in the domestic market. And uh, if, if I could impart anything on our on on the listeners and on our fans in general. Um, you know, keep keep on getting out there. And if there's a store that you are not finding our product in that you would like to see us in, go go out and hound the general managers. Go go out and hound the people at the store level, um, and let them know that you want to see the product on the shelf because customer requests are literally the lifeblood of a growing company like ours. So um, we're we're in about six thousand stores nationwide. I believe there's something like 40,000 stores nationwide in the United States. Um, so we have barely, we're barely a drop in the bucket. And, and with your help, um, we, we would love to expand our distribution footprint. I love it. Spoken like a true entrepreneur. Go out and just ask for it. If you want it, go demand it. <laughs> go, get, go get it right there. So, again, Daniel, thank you so much. Uh, Appreciate your time here. Guys, check out Natamu. It's healthy. It tastes great. You're winning, a, you're winning on all fronts. Thank you very much, my man. 
Thanks so much, Greg. I appreciate it. The Midlife Mail Podcast with Greg Scheinman was presented by Inns Group Insurance. Inns Group is ensuring success. For more information, visit innsgroup.net.